0: I was going to read my latest prayer letter just for an update. And, uh, it's July 2023, so last month I sent it out. And, um, uh, most of you, everybody here knows already, but just for the sake of maybe somebody online, um, I do full time prison ministry and I work in four different facilities. I just got back by the way from Tennessee. I was doing uh, the rock well I was at the Rock of Ages National Conference and um Rock of Ages is a prison ministry and I'm my wife and I and our kids are missionaries uh, with Rock of Ages and uh, of course we're locally here in the Northwest and we work at um uh Four different facilities, Columbia River Correctional here in Portland. We're there weekly. Callitz County Juvenile Detention Center in Longview. It's a juvenile facility. Um, Donald D. Long, which is a juvenile facility for uh, Multnomah County, Washington County, Clackamas County, the three largest counties in Oregon. I'm in that facility And then um, McLaren, which is the state facility in Woodburn, Oregon. And so um, youth who are arrested end up at McLaren uh, from the state of Oregon. Um, That's where they'll go if they get a long-term sentence. And so we're in those facilities weekly. And um, But I was getting at, I just came back from uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, I flew into Chattanooga, and then I was there for a week for just updates on the ministry and training, and all the missionaries get together once a year. At least we try. All of us get together. There's probably about a hundred and I, I want to say a hundred and twenty missionary families um, in the U.S. and around the world. Um, we still we do have some national. Missionaries, in other words, in other countries where, um, uh, we have ministries at where the nationals will run that rock of ages, uh, prison outreach. Primarily we're a prison outreach, but we do reach, um, in a, more in the foreign fields. We reach, uh, uh, a lot of the government agencies in the schools and, um, and, we also have, a, a full team that does just military prisons, um, and does revivals in the different, uh, brigs around the United States. And, um, uh, we have a full-time guy there in Fort Lewis here in, um, the Washington state at the brig there. And so anyways, that's our ministry. But, but of course, as you guys know, I do those mainly youth facilities, and I'm just considered a volunteer, but I do it full-time, and I'm there weekly in these facilities as your missionary that supports me to do that, and so uh, that's what we get to do. Let me just read the latest prayer letter that I have for July 2023. kind of gives you an idea of uh, what's going on in the prison ministry. And one day I was coming into one of our facilities and I sensed a little more stress than usual from the staff. This tends to give me an indication of how things might be in the living units um, that I was about to visit. When I entered the third unit, I could sense things were particularly tense there. As the staff member, staff member greeted me at the door and said, it was good to see me. Uh, wait a minute. I'm, it's here. As the staff member greeted me at the door, I said, it was good to see her. In other words, I asked her, it was good to see her. I asked her how, uh, like I always do, how are and how are you doing and how are things in the unit? She immediately began to cry and told me it's been a tough day and that she had just been physically threatened by a resident. I was able to give her some words of encouragement and support and she gathered herself together and went confidently back to work and Then I gathered some youth around the table in that unit and opened the Bible to share lessons on anger and how to deal with it properly. And the next unit, that same day, I sensed a feeling of opposition. I asked the same question to the staff in the unit, and they said, It's crazy. The youth are bouncing off the walls. But we were were glad to see you. Okay, I replied. Hopefully I can be a help in the unit. As I walked in, the first thing I saw, several youth jumping over the tables. Many of the youth greeted me as usual, but I was only able to gather two of them in a corner to conduct a Bible study. The chaos continued to go all around me, including one youth having a meltdown and proceeding to destroy his own room. I spent around 15 minutes with those two. And as we were gathering and, and as we were getting uh, to the end of the Bible study, I asked them to pray with me. Um, as I led in prayer, we prayed for all the youth and staff. I led them in prayer and prayed for all the youth and staff. Excuse me here, my eyes are not working by name, including one, the one destroying his room. When I finished praying and stood up from the table, I began to gather my things to leave. Suddenly, the chaos stopped. All the youth began to walk towards me, saying, Brother Rick, don't leave. Please don't leave. Please read the scriptures to us. Ten kids gathered around the table and sat quietly and calmly listening to me share the lessons on peace, on the peace of God that passes all understanding. The staff and I were amazed. Even the boy who was having a meltdown stopped immediately and started cleaning up the mess he had made in his room. He apologized me To me for not being in the Bible study and said that he was listening while cleaning his room. I was reminded of the power of prayer and how God cares for these youth. He was just waiting for someone to pray for them. Prayer. Yeah. And I kind of shared that I think a few weeks ago when that happened. Yeah. And then here's another story. One of the staff who worked at the facility for many years felt sudden chest pains one Saturday while he was working. 911 was called immediately. They got him to the hospital. But there he soon passed away. I was made aware of this upon entering the facility on that Monday. We had a great service that evening and were able to bring comfort to the youth there. I was watching the staff and sense that this uh, sense that they needed our help probably more even than the youth did. Uh, one of my volunteers uh, one of my faithful volunteers and I reached out to the staff afterwards and listened to their stories they had to share. Tears were shed, and we were glad that we were able to take time to help them through the grieving process. I am thankful for the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to the staff and the youth that day. I have seen many of these youth grow up in the system as I minister in the county facilities as well as the state facilities, the county and their neighborhoods before they end up in the state facility. And in fact, many of the youth I minister uh, to now trusting Christ as their Savior during those county church services that were conducted, conducted previously, in other words, in the county level. I often hear older youth tell their peers things like, I have known Brother Rick since I was 12 years old. (laughs) In other words, they ended in the county when they were real young. There is no doubt in their minds that I care about them. I may, may never be able to reach them all, but I promise you that I will try to reach them all. I'm reminded of an old gospel hymn, To God be the glory where it says the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. If You're familiar with that, Kim. Since our last prayer letter in March, 2023, we have seen 61 youth receive Christ. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. You are never taken for granted. Love Rick, Marta, August, and Annabelle Chirazas. Then I kind of give a brief the scenario which I'll be doing at Christmas time, our Christmas revival and Easter revival. And I know I've shared that with you, but let me just do that again. Every Christmas and Easter, we have an opportunity to reach everybody that's in these facilities. And the way we're able to do that is by having a care packages, a care package, especially in the state facility. This is real valuable to them. Just simple items like a bar soap, toothbrush, pair of socks, shampoo, deodorant. Um, and uh, of course we put candy and gospel tracks and we hand it out to everybody in the facility. But in order for them to get that, they have to come to the service. So we get 100% participation. So at McLaren there, if we have 200 kids, we're going to have 200 opportunities to share the gospel. Where I go during the week, whoever just comes to the Bible study does. But during the Christmas and then even on Easter now, I do these revivals. And so anyways, just be praying about that. Um, The budget for that is about 2500 And so every year we're able to do this and it's every year it's a great success and the youth love it. The facilities love it. And it just gives us an opportunity to share what Christmas is truly about and the birth of Christ who came to save us. And then Easter for years, I never did it on Easter, but some of the, I always had some leftovers from Christmas. And so I said, let's do it at Easter too. Some of the two best times to share the gospel is Christmas and Easter. People are are more open to the gospel than any other time during the year, during those two seasons. So about three, four years ago, we started doing the same thing at Easter. And so it's just been a great opportunity to do that. So that's my latest prayer letter. And so if you ever want to be in my prayer letter list, please let me know. I'd love to send it to you. All I need is your name and your email. And I'd love so you could just be praying. Uh, and then it kind of gives you some, like I did today, some stories uh, about our experiences. Uh, I only do it about once a quarter, the prayer letter. But uh, if you would like to receive that, please don't hesitate to ask me and I'll get it to you. And so, but saying all that, I say pray for us. Please pray. Uh, God is doing a work like um an amazing work in these uh four facilities. Um and so we have an open door. Could close, it closed for 2 years during COVID. But uh, I've been doing this now for over 21 years. I think this is my 22nd year. Uh, being able to do these, um, uh, facilities. And so the other day I had a call from a pastor, um, in Prosser, Washington and, uh, who supports my ministry at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And he says, Hey, I want to share a story. The other day there was a guy sitting in the, in our property, the church property and, uh, I walked up to him and began to witness to him, invite him to the church. And the guy says, I'm saved. I'm, I know Christ as, a, as my personal savior. And, uh, and then the pastor mentioned, well, uh, could you share a little bit about how you got saved or, or, you know, share your testimony? He says, well, I was at a juvenile detention center when I was young and a preacher came. And shared the gospel with us. And I prayed and received Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And it was one of the facilities that I happened to work at. So, And so there he was. He had a very clear testimony of salvation. And he got saved at the juvenile detention center. And so praise the Lord. Um, God is doing a work. And so thank you for being a part of that. And so... By the way, any questions about any of that? Any questions about the work or anything while well, you got me here? <laughs> yes, sir? I can say that you know, your impact doesn't mean just the kids, because a lot of these kids, their family it's a familial-type it's situation. I've seen fathers, right. their sons are in prison. Right. And you're right on, and and coming from somebody that's in law enforcement for many years. Yeah. And, uh, that's the whole goal is to break that cycle. And you're exactly right. I'm at the, I've been in it now 22 years. And I think for the first time I'm seeing the second generation (laughs) where you have, Hey, I had your father in here. Now you're in here. And so, and, and you've seen it probably where grandfather and father, and now the son's their grandchild. And so uh, we need to break that cycle, huh? Yeah. And so Jesus is the one that could break that cycle. And uh, and uh the county and the state, they have some good programs, uh, but they can't give the gospel, but we can. And that's what my job is. And that's what's really going to make a difference. And so thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Any other questions about the Juvenile Detention Center or the work that we do in the prisons? I was at the conference this year. Let me just share this. Uh, and on, uh, I think it was Wednesday morning of the conference, they had a man share a testimony. Uh, and the conference leader, our president of the ministry, says, I'm not going to tell you what this is about, but I'm so excited about about this. So anyways, this man gave his testimony where he was sitting. He he came from a background where his grandfather was a preacher. His father was a preacher. He had several uncles who were preachers and uh, they preached in camp meetings and were known and preached in different uh, conferences and were pastors. And he grew up seeing all this from his grandparents to his his parents and he grew up and like a lot of teenagers, he went astray and he got addicted to drugs and meth and, and went that way like the prodigal son type of deal and just total opposite of his um, upbringing. And then he ended in prison. I mean, he, he said, he says, I've done some terrible things and I've been in terrible situations and and there I was sitting, uh, in prison. He was, you know, like the prodigal son, um, in the pigsty of all places, a Jewish man is sitting in a pigsty eating what the pigs eat. Um, and he says, that's where I was at in prison sitting there. And he says, uh, and he says, a rock of ages prison minister came and they were came and they started having a revival in our prison and they came in and, and, uh, it was like a three days in a row. And they had a contest where if you bring another visitor and things of that sort, you could win a Bible. And so he heard about that and he went. And on that second day, he invited some of his uh, other inmates and, uh, and it was at that prison revival where he recommitted his life to Christ. And he, he was saved, but he wasn't following God. Um, obviously he ended up in prison and, and the, and then he said, and now I'm a pastor. He has his own church and he's pastoring a church. And so it was just a great testimony. It was a great reminder. A lot of times, We never know what happens, especially working with the youth. You know, we're, as a chaplain and as a volunteer, I'm not able to follow up and to go find out what happens in their life, though I wish sometimes I saw that. Sometimes I'll see a kid come to church or something of that sort, but that's always encouraging. But you really never know. Uh, we just plant the seed. And we ask God to, that's all our job is. I can't save anybody. I can't change anybody's life, but Christ can. And so our job is just to throw out the seed and give the message of Christ. And you never know until we get to heaven (laughs) what all that was worth, what all that done for others um, who've gotten saved and lives were changed. So, yeah, anyways, that was exciting. Any questions before we, or any thoughts about the juvenile detention center that we have? Again, just be praying and uh, ask. Uh, we'll be in there this week again. And uh, the other, I, I know I mentioned this before, but last Christmas, we were doing our revival in one of the units. We go from one unit to the next unit, to the next unit, and in one of the units there, uh, I mentioned this in my last prayer meeting, uh, we were, just gave the Christmas story about Christ and what he came. And I gave an invitation at the end and I always asked the kids to pray with me and ask, and we began to pray in uh, the sinner's prayer. And, uh, the, the one that was the loudest praying that prayer was the manager of the unit. And he accepted Christ as his personal savior that evening. And so uh, it was just a blessing. You never know. We're there not just for the youth. We're there for anybody who will listen. And many of the staff, because I've been there for so long and many of the, I've been there longer than most of the staff. A lot of them are kids to me. And, um, but the older I get, the more you feel like that. But, um, anyways, and so, um, You get to know them, you see them every week, and they realize who you are and what you, you're, you know, what I'm, uh, I'm there for them and pray for them and to help them through, and they'll ask questions and sometimes ask me to pray for them. And by the way, there's a lot of good, faithful Christians who work in these facilities. And so I'm just blessed to work with those, and we're on a team. And we all have the same goal of reaching people to christ, and so it's there's a lot of good Christians in those facilities that work there, and so we're blessed in that sense too good and so let me just uh share some things. I won't keep you too long the hours late ready. I wanted to look at Jesus. And when he prayed in the Bible, um, when Jesus prayed in the Bible and some of the sections in the Bible and what he prayed for and what were their circumstances, um, the Word of God instructs Christians to follow in Christ's steps, to be Christlike, And And... Um, and in, in that, in saying that, we need to follow Christ and learn from him in his prayer life. And like I've said before, if Jesus needs to pray, certainly we ought to pray. Yeah. And uh the older I get, and I know I've shared this with you already, but the older I get, the more I realize the importance of prayer. And the more I realize that it's a tool that works. It's not just something we're told to do and hope for the best. No, I'm learning prayer works. And I wish I would have knew that, even as a young preacher, how powerful it was. But the older I get, the more I realize, maybe because I uh, need prayer more and the people around me need prayer more. Jesus has opened a school in which he trains his redeemed ones who specially desire it to have power in prayer. Shall we not enter it with the petition, Lord, it is just this we need to be taught. Oh, teach us to pray. That's what somebody said. Andrew Murray said, Teach us to pray. And Jesus certainly in the Bible teaches us to pray. Um, Luke chapter 11 verse 1. The Bible says this. In Luke chapter 11 verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in certain places. Then he ceased, one of his disciples said unto said unto him, "Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. so again, we ought to have that same prayer, Lord teach us to pray. I want to learn how to pray first um, John chapter two verse six says this he that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Again, following in Jesus' steps, letting Jesus be our teacher. And certainly letting Jesus be our teacher, and the subject is prayer. Um, Jesus has opened a school in which he trains his redeemed ones who specially desire it to have power in prayer we ought to be in that school we ought to learn from Jesus we want to have god's power uh, that he gives us through prayer in other words not we have the power but power that is if the power of prayer that works. So when we look at Jesus's life, um, when did Jesus pray? One of the first times we see him praying is in at his baptism. He was starting his ministry. You know the story, John the Baptist, and he comes upon him. In Luke chapter three, verse twenty-one, it says this. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying and heaven was open. So here's Jesus at the baptism and he begins to pray. And this is what the Bible says. The heavens were opened. So look at that prayer here and look what it's saying. Jesus begins to pray. And what is the result of it the heavens were opened. It's almost like through prayer the heavens open. God's listening. God wants to hear what we have to say. Verse 3 verse Luke 3:22 and the holy ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven and said Thou art my beloved Son, in Thee I'm well pleased. God had a message. Jesus prayed. And Jesus heard from God. I know they're all in one and the same, but we understand uh, Jesus was uh, 100% man, though He was 100% God. And because of His need to pray there, the heavens were opened. And I believe that's true with us. When we call upon God, it's God hears us. I know there's hindrance to prayer and we're not going to get into that, but God hears us. And Jesus prayed there at his baptism. Um, And Jesus prayed in the beginning of the day. uh, Mark chapter one, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. It's a good thing to start out our day with prayer. Let's start off right. Maybe even before our feet hit the ground, we ought to pray, God, be with us. <laughs> we need you today. We need your help today, because it is the true we do need his help. We do need his guidance. And if Jesus prayed early in the morning, we ought to pray early in the morning. So Jesus' prayer begins in the day, early in the day, in the morning. So, it's another example where Jesus prayed? Let's look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Luke five fifteen, but so much more went there a fame abroad of him and a great multitude came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So again, here's Jesus, a man in demand. People were gathering. People wanted to hear what he had to say. People came to 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 get the benefits of being around Jesus. Maybe they would get healed of their infirmities or they would be fed or whatever the need might be. They wanted to see Jesus. And at this point of his ministry, he was the man in demand. And then verse 16 says this, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness. He got away. Why did he get away? probably a lot of different reasons. But remember, he's a 100% man, and I could just imagine, we get tired, right? Especially if you're somebody that's just a man in demand, like Jesus was. Teaching and healing and doing miracles, and, uh, and not only that, but knowing what was ahead of him uh, and all the things that were going to happen to him eventually. And he withdrew himself to pray. So prayer, in Jesus' case, in his ministry, this was um, a time when he just needed to get away and to spend time with his father. Ministry could be burdensome at times. Somebody once said, uh, some pastor once said, Ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. (laughs) Isn't that true, huh? But that's their job as people. But it's stressful. Yeah, I'm in the ministry and I do prison ministry and and it could get stressful, but I I often think, I had a pastor friend of mine, he says, man, I don't know if I could ever do your job. It must be stressful. He was talking to me. He says it's probably not as stressful as your job (laughs) because it, that's a lot of stress dealing with people. But Jesus being a man and being God, but being that man part, I understand he would probably get tired. He'd get weary and he needed to get away. He needed to go and pray. He withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Set a time for prayer. Set a season to get away and pray. One of the things I did in our, our conference again, and I kind of shared with this, with previously when I was talking about prayer, is there's a time before the service where people would get together and pray. And we would just share our prayer requests, things going on in our personal lives and about the ministry and things of that sort. And and then every evening after the service, about 15, 20 minutes after the service, there would be another prayer meeting. Just getting away and focusing on prayer. Churches ought to pray. We need each other. And we need to come together and we need to come before God because we all have needs. Everybody in this room has a need. We're all going through something. We're all dealing with big issues in our life and we need to pray about them. You know why? Because God answers prayer. God loves to hear it. Just like those kids, I use that example. Man, I went in there, it was the mental health unit, and it's always pretty crazy in there. But it was unusually crazy that day. And they have policies where they just kind of let them go and do as long as they're not hurting themselves or hurting somebody else. But it gets pretty chaotic, chaotic in there. I enjoy going in there because some of this, the kids are so sincere. and But it, it gets stressful. And, um, the volunteer that I was with with he made a comment, and it was a uh he he's pretty black and white, and he says, "You know what you should have done? You should have prayed in the beginning instead of at the end. <laughs> it made sense, yeah, and I believe God answered that prayer chaos, and I was getting ready to leave. I was done we were I think we accomplished what we could at that time and Don't leave. Don't leave. Could you share with us the scripture? And they came and they went around the table and they listened quietly for another 15 minutes. Listening. God answers prayer. We ought to pray before making decisions. Again, Luke chapter 16. Let's look at Luke chapter 16, verse 12. Luke's. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6. I'm sorry. Luke chapter 6. Verse 12. And it came to pass in those days... And he went unto a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto his, to him his disciples. And of them he chose twelve whom he named apostles and he begins to name them off. So what did Jesus do? He was making a decision. Who were going to be his apostles? And before he made that decision, you know what he did? He went away and prayed. So it's a reminder to me, before making decisions, we ought to pray. If anything, I always teach the young people, and I want to teach my kids, hey, we just don't make decisions. You could just make decisions. And a lot of people just make decisions. But what you ought to do is consider God and ask him his opinion about the decision you're going to make. And we live in a country today where we just uh, we have in our mind what we're going to do, but we don't even consider God. And so before making decisions, let's go before God and ask him, hey, is this the right decision? Is this what you want? Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's who you're going to marry. Maybe what purchases you're going to make. um, And ask God to shut the door or close the door. So we need to ask God. We need to pray. Martin Luther said, he who has prayed well has studied well. He who has prayed well has studied well. We need to consider God. We need to consider what he says. And ask God. Ask God. How many of you understand that God still does miracles? I do. God is still in the miracle business. It's not so much that uh I don't I'm not a TV evangelist where it's all about we're not supposed to have any problems and if we have problems we're not right with God that that's not what the Bible says. A matter of fact, it's the opposite. He says if you're going to live for God there's going to be some issues. That's just part of life and especially if you're going to live for me. But yet God still works. And he st- still does miracles. And we need to ask, though. John chapter 11. Let's turn to John chapter 11. Verse 14. And verse 14 says this. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Let's look at verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man. Even this man should have not, have not have died. So here we are. We see the story here where um, Lazarus was dead, and they came and they got Jesus, and they warned him, "Hey, you need to come. Lazarus is dying." And Jesus kind of took his time getting there, and so Jesus comes on the scene. Let's look at verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Let's look at that word, take away the stone real quick here. Um, Jesus was about to do a miracle. We know the miracle. We know the end. But Jesus asked, take away the stone. He's asking us something to take away the stone, to do our part. Martha and the sister of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. They didn't quite understand what was about to happen. They're a little bit of, Disappointed in Jesus because he didn't show up earlier and and uh, before he died in order that he could be saved. But it, he's dead now. And he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said unto her, saith I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone. There they are. They're taking away the stone. Okay, well, We'll do our part from that place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, here's the prayer. God begins to pray. I should say Jesus begins to pray. Father, I thank thee for thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hast heard me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it. That they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound, was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto him, loose him, and let him go. Again, Jesus prayed. And again, we need to ask. God hears. That God still does miracles. We ought to pray. We ought to ask. We ought to do our part. We need to have faith And again, God could choose whatever he wants. Uh, Oftentimes, again, we all know uh, uh, difficulties come, tragedies happen, and people lose their life, and we pray and we pray, and it seems like God's not hearing us, but yes, he is. We pray for healing, and we don't see no healing. We pray for life and sometimes they die. But the does God answer prayer? Yes, he does. When that person dies and goes to heaven, they're more healed than any of us. <laughs> so God answers prayer. They have better health than any of us when they're in heaven. So God answers prayer. And then we need to pray, and we're going to look at Jesus and when he prayed, uh for a backslidden disciple. We're almost done here. A backslidden disciple. Let's look at Luke chapter 22. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Um, So we need to pray. And Jesus prayed, and what is he praying for? For somebody that's backslidden. So we need to pray for those that go astray. Uh, Sometimes we kind of just throw them out, and we forget about them, or we think, oh, they get, they got what they deserved, or they're getting what they deserve, and uh, I understand that, and there's some truth in that, but Again, we're reminded when Jesus prayed, we he prayed and he's praying uh, for Simon Peter here and God answered his prayer. And we need to pray for those that are backslidden, for those who've gone astray, for those who are falling uh, away from God or whatever. We need to pray for them. Some of you have kids, grandkids, uh, whatever the circumstances, close relatives or friends and, uh, they weren't, were not serving God and we're on the right track, but, and, and but God can make it, you know, God hears our prayers. And we ought not to stop praying. Cause God is working. I can't tell you how many people I've met in prison who, who are backslidden and they were once in church and they were saved. And uh, as kids, they were in church and they were in Sunday school and they got baptized and they were even in uh, doing ministry in the church and they, they gone astray happens, happens all the time. But there's a pastor praying. There's a mama praying. There's a grandpa praying. There's a grandmother praying. There's a dad praying. And they're praying and they're praying. And there it is. I've seen it many a times. In the prison. where maybe they come to Christ and they accept Christ as their personal Savior. Or maybe they get right with God. And it's not because of me. It's because of prayer. It's because there's people who are praying for them. I don't say this out of pride or anything, but I, I tell everybody and I, you know, when, you know, I was out of the, the Oregon and Washington and I was in Tennessee. Oh, they hear the news about Portland and how bad it is and, you know, and it, and it is. A pretty bad place. And if you listen to the news, we know with that the whole world knows about it. And we think about the politics of Portland and all that, and how what a bad reputation it is, and blah 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 and all that stuff. And yeah, they're probably right. But I know one thing for sure. If you're a juvenile in the state of Oregon, and if you get arrested and you end up at Donald E. Long and three largest counties in the state of Oregon, Multnomah County, Washington County, and Clackamas County, all of those kids end up at Donald D. E. Long. And this is the truth. If you end up there, you're going to hear the gospel. You're going to pretty much get a clear gospel message there. So again, I remind you, there's a lot of forces against us, but God is with us. And they're no match to God. It's not the mayor. It's not the DA. It's not the governor. Yeah, they may be against us. But if God wants to do a work, I found out and I believe it, and there's no doubt in my mind, He's going to do a work. Nobody's going to stop Him. It's because of God. God is still in the business of doing those things that we could consider miracles. So we need to pray. We need to have intercessory prayer and we need to pray. And and when we pray and when we pray and when we pray, we're going to see God work. We're going to see God work. Um, And I'll end with this, maybe here. We're almost done here. Prayer. We need to pray for others. We need to have intercessory prayer for others. Um, Let me read this verse. Let's turn to John 17. Matthew, Mark. Let me let me just start here with verse one. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may be glorified glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life, eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, and with the glory which I have had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou givest me out of the world. Thine they were that gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given thee given unto them the words which thou givest me, and they have received them, and I have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Verse 9, I pray for them. Jesus is praying for us. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou givest me for they are mine and all mine are are thine and thine are mine and i am glorified in them and now i am no more i am no more in the world but these are in the world and i've come to thee holy father keep thou thine own name those who thou givest me that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in my name, in thy name. Thou that thou hast gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. God knows us. God hasn't forgotten about us. Jesus is praying for us. But the Son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled and now come I to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have joy, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word and the world have hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. Here he is. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Um, sanctify them through thy truth and thy word. So here he is, Jesus' intercessory prayer for us. He's praying on our behalf and he's asking God to be with us. He's asking us for protection and so again, um, God wants us to pray, and He wants us to pray for others too, and we could say uh pray that same prayer. What an example of Jesus who's doing intercessory prayer for those that follow him, and we ought to pray for others also. So don't give up. Pray. Pray for them. That they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. Keep them from evil. So we need to keep praying. We need to keep praying. God wants us to pray. Let me read this and then we'll be done. I have a few more things here, but I won't go on. Concerning prayer. I found this poem and I liked it. I thought I'd read it to you. And it's the, the title of the poem. It says, and God said, no. And this is what it says. I asked God to take away my pride. And God said, no. He said it was not for him to take away, but it was for me to give up. I asked God to make my disabled child whole. And God said, no. He said, his spirit is whole. His body's only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience. And God said, no. <laughs> he said, that patience is a byproduct of tribulation it isn't granted it's earned i asked god to give me happiness and god said no he said he gives blessings it's up to me happiness is up to me god gives us blessings i asked god to spare me pain and god said no he said, suffering draws you apart from the worldly cares and brings you closer to me. Isn't that true? We're better off being close to God. If it, if pain brings us close to God, be, so be it. I asked God to make my spirit grow. And God said, no, he said, I must grow on my own but he will prune me and make me fruitful. I asked God to help me love others as much as he loves me. And God said, ah, finally you have the idea. Prayer. What is it that you have a need for today? Today? Have you prayed about it? Have you been persistent? Do you need rest? Have you gone away and prayed and come before God? Do you have a decision to make? Have you brought it before God? Remember, he who prayed well has studied well. Martin Luther said that. Is there a miracle that needs to happen? Have you prayed for a miracle? Are there people in your life who are backslidden and running from God? Have you prayed for them? God wants us to pray. Hey, Brother Rick, you should have prayed before. (laughs) maybe so just the reminder let's pray let's be people of prayer let's use the example of jesus man if jesus needs to pray certainly i need to pray Let's go to the school of prayer and learn from Jesus who redeems us. Man, there's power in prayer. Let's enter to the gates of God. Let's call unto him and let's see if the heavens open. God hears us like he heard Jesus. Let's pray now. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity again to be here. I do, again, just thank you for the tool that you give us of prayer. Help us to use it. Uh, we need it. And uh, I just pray that you would just, again, uh, be with this church, be with Pastor Stewart and his circumstances, be with Amy and the girls um, meet the needs of each one that's represented here, health issues, family issues, financial issues, other things going on. I just pray that you would be able to hear us and help us, Lord. And I just thank you again for being concerned and you praying for us, an intercessory prayer for us. We come through you and you hear us and You want to meet those needs, and we pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Thank you.